0: previously on at the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney and Lou Katz.
1: While we're on the topic of Tina Turner, she came by the uh, Q107 mix107.3 studios when I was uh-huh. working there with Jack Diamond back in the 90s yeah. and yeah, and look you guys uh-huh. have met you guys have met a million stars over yeah. the years and you know how some of them are just standoffish and they don't want to talk. She was so so friendly taking pictures, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. autographs and and, uh, and of course the legs. She had she was displaying her legs just yes, for her, for a her radio station tour. Just a little just a little insight into Tina I wanted to share. At the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. <laughs> Once again, this is Lou Katz, and I want to welcome you into the podcast that does its best to keep you informed on the ever, ever changing world of entertainment. And here's how we do it. We first welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, our fave, Jen Cheney. Hi, everybody. And this week's guest critic, a regular here on the podcast, the president of the Washington Area Film Critics and head of Lakefront Film Festival... You know him, you love him. Let's hear it for Tim Gordon.
2: Mr. President.
1: (laughs) And stuck right in the middle, our longtime (laughs) entertainment reporter, Arch Campbell.
2: And here we are, and uh, it's another week and many things to talk about. And I think let's start with, uh, what are we recommending this week? Jen Cheney, what's up?
0: Oh boy. (laughs) Give me a second.
2: Is there something to enter to recommend this week? I
3: love that answer. Oh
2: boy. Well, and you know, and this this leads me to the question that's always on my mind. Uh, is the pipeline drying up?
0: No, it is definitely not. For April, it's it's getting
2: it's just spewing out.
0: Well, maybe not spewing, but it's it's um <laughs> there's plenty to plenty to cover in, in April. Okay, so the, what I wanted to recommend. Uh, is another random indie movie that I discovered during my research for um, Character Actor Week that we did recently at Vulture. Sure. And this is a film called The Long Dumb Road. It came out in 2018 and it's on Netflix and it's a road trip movie, but it stars Jason Manzukis as this just random guy who helps out a, a kid who's dr- driving to LA to um, start art school. And, his character is very much like the characters Jason office often plays, which is he's a wild card. He seems kind of crazy, but then he seems kind of cool. But then you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Um, I'm not doing it justice, really, but he's really great in it. And I found it really entertaining. Uh, and like I said, it's on Netflix, so very easily accessible. Uh, it's called The Long Dumb Road.
2: Wow, I love that. And uh, Tim Gordon, we always love when you're uh, on the program. What are you
3: recommending? Uh, I'm doing a throwback. Um, uh, last week, if we remember, Art, you might remember, Bertrand Tavernier uh, passed away. And this week, hold on one second, I think that's me. So I'll just do that. Last week, so he passed away. And this week, uh, starting at the end of the week, will be April. So April is going to be Jazz Appreciation Month, and I'm doing a huge <laughs> show on the top five jazz movies of all time. And my number one film is the one I'm going to recommend. It's called Round Midnight from 1986, directed by Todd, I'm not sure if i mispronounced his name, Todd Nier, Bertrand Tom Nier. Uh, and the film stars Dexter Gordon, uh, has appearances mm-hmm. with Martin Scorsese, from 1986 so that's the movie that i'm recommending and i think it's on streaming services i would try amazon prime first uh but if not a lot of these films show up on youtube on their uh on their film channel but a fantastic film about the uh, a life and times of an aging jazz artist played by gordon um Uh around midnight is magnificent great film uh there's a a
2: great um uh tribute and obit uh, to him in in the washington post today was that Film in French
3: or uh, subtitle? Yeah, subtitle. But it's 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 sort of almost half and half. So you know, yeah. they're, they're a lot of English in it, but it's about half of it is is uh, subtitle. I remember it uh, as a standout
2: in the days when people would flock to theaters to watch foreign
3: films.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I think I'm
2: dating myself by saying yeah, that. Well, I'm
3: in I'm in that that time period too. I remember that day too. So so I was I had Jenna's. A hard act to follow i mean you know her her recommendations well, a lot more current and this is jen's funny. show we're just you know we're <laughs> in this is jen's world we're just in <laughs>
2: Uh, But that's a great pick, Around Midnight. Uh, And I just want to go back to something that Jen recommended last week, and that is the HBO documentary on Tina Turner. And I watched it this weekend with my wife, and we both think it's one of the best things we've seen in months. And uh, the uh, archival footage is just riveting, first of her early stuff with uh, Ike Turner, and then uh, the way they explain their breakup. And of course, everybody remembers uh, the, the terrible stories of his abuse of her. And I found one of the things I found most surprising is there's uh, footage of her, I think, at the Venice Film Festival. Or maybe it's Cannes, uh, where they ask her about uh, the film, What's Love Got to Do With It? And right. she said she hadn't seen it, didn't want to see it, didn't want to relive that again. And all the other, Angela Bassett was there, and all the filmmakers were there. Everybody else looked completely uncomfortable, and uh, I got a sense of her struggle to put that behind her and to uh, bring her uh, art forward. I I thought it was just a fascinating documentary.
3: Well, I think the struggle was not just in her putting it behind her, but that <laughs> the media or the press would not mm-hmm. let her put it behind her. So she wants to move forward with her career. And every question or every interview, she's dealing right. with what's going on with Ike. This happened to Ike. What do you, what is your reaction? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is a, a brilliant documentary. And along with uh, the Billie Holiday documentary that was last fall and also now the US versus Billie Holiday and now the recent Genius Aretha, as well as Respect that's come out in August. You see the this pattern of these, these women who struggled mightily uh, in the mid 20th century, you know, who were supreme artists who lots of times had relationships or had managing situations where there was abuse, where they were marginalized and they overcame all of that. And Tina Turner's story uh, to me was just really sad and hard to watch. And I watched it with my significant other and we just kept looking at each other going, I Ike, Ike needed somebody to do to him what he was doing to Tina. He needed that badly. <laughs> He really did. And it, it bothered me as a man tremendously watching that film. But uh, Tina Turner, just a great story. And I'm glad we were able to get that story while she's still alive.
2: Well, it's one of those things when people ask me, "What's good? What are you watching these days?" That's the thing that comes right uh, to mind. Tina, the Tina Turner documentary. Incidentally, it does not make uh, those of us in the media who ask the questions look very good, as you, to your point. And how do you explain that? How do you explain the pack mentality where we all go in there and ask those questions that uh, that come up over and over again? Anybody got Well, I mean,
0: I think part of it with Tina Turner is that part, one of the things that made her so remarkable to people is the fact that she overcame all of that. Mm -hmm. And so, but I I think what got lost is the fact that, you know, she was also remarkable because she's Tina Turner. Um, And so I think part of the fascination around the Ike story was she was telling that story at a time when no one else was talking about domestic Mm -hmm. violence. I mean, she was, she wasn't, you know, me too. She was all by herself kind of doing that. And um, and I think a lot of people were inspired by it, which is great. But as they make the point in the movie, every time somebody asks you that question, every time they put out a movie about this, it's it's reopening an old wound over and over again. And I think, you know, maybe really only in recent years have we fully started to wrap our minds around how uh, insensitive that is.
2: Yeah. Wow, so no. so Ooh. on that note, Jen, what is new this weekend?
0: Well, I'm gonna highlight a couple things. The first one is Godzilla vs. Kong, which is coming out in theaters and also on HBO Max.
3: We need Kong, the world needs him to stop what's coming.
0: Arch, did you have a chance to watch it?
2: <laughs> I had a chance, sure.
0: But oh, you didn't do it, okay. <laughs> just I just gotcha. didn't take the
2: chance. <laughs> I had the chance to do a lot of things. <laughs> wow.
0: All right, so I'm the only one who sat it. through it.
2: I don't want to watch it, particularly at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that, does that say something about me or about our times? I
0: do think it's the kind of movie that plays better on a big screen, for sure.
3: yeah Yeah. i feel the same way That there's certain movies that i think that just work on the big screen um and if there's a movie that i really want to see in the next month or two i'm gonna probably try to go at some unorthodox time like eight in the morning (laughs) and watch a movie so that i can have a theater to myself or at least as much close to myself as possible but I agree there's certain movies that I think really only work on the big screen and this film which I didn't I, I'm like arch I didn't I missed my chance to see it too probably will play well on the on the big screen as well this huge fight with these huge superhuman you know dark gargantuan figures but
0: I don't think you're missing a lot um, because...
3: <laughs> really no, oh I'm really. shocked.
0: You know, I mean the the effects for the most part are, are well done. Obviously the big fights are what everybody comes for. The stuff in the middle of it like I don't know. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what happened in that movie. There's a whole like corporate conspiracy thing. Brian Tyree Henry plays um this podcaster who's kind of looking into what Apex is doing, the the big corporate entity in the movie. And I enjoyed him. This movie needed 89% more Kyle Chandler. He doesn't get to do nearly enough. Mm. Um, but again, nobody cares about the people. They just care about the, the <laughs> having their big fights.
3: <laughs> well, who yeah. wins?
0: I'm not telling you that.
3: You're going to force Arch and I to watch a movie to find. No way!
0: Out? Don't we all win?
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, will we ever get box office figures for Godzilla versus Kong? Or uh, oh yeah,
0: in fact, you, um, yeah. They, they've already you know because it opened um, internationally and I think maybe it was it was just in China, I'm not sure, but there was some story that came out saying it had made more money than any other movie since the pandemic in theaters. Um,
3: 22 million.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll be interested to see if people actually do go to theaters because they're starting to open back up in New York and LA. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is more opportunity for people to do that now.
2: You know, there's a theater open in DC now, the uh, Georgetown
0: theater. Mm. Uh, yeah. And the regal regal announced that they're opening some of their locations as well. So.
2: so that would be a gallery or, you know, the, uh, um, gallery place, silver spring. Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, arts. You know, both of those are my least favorite things.
0: <laughs> Georgetown is
2: different. Georgetown is difficult to get to, and uh, you got to pay fifteen bucks to park unless you're uh, you want to jockey around with a parking meter. And uh, Gallery Place, you go to on the subway, and I don't know if I'm ready to get to on the subway yet.
0: Yeah. Well, guess what? You can stay home and watch movies at home. <laughs> it's a novel concept.
3: Jim, are you ready to go back to the theaters yet? <laughs>
0: um, not like I would go if it were a very controlled environment, like it was when we saw Tenet, where it's a press screening, it's a limited number of people in a very large space. And, and I trust the people around me to be masked because, you know, they can't that's just the expectation. Just going with the general public, I'm I'm a little less uh, inclined to do at this point. So yeah, that's where I am.
2: Wow. Yeah. The words theater and control situation <laughs> are rarely used together. Or
0: if we get to the point where, I mean, and I know this is a controversial subject, but this vaccine passport situation if if you're able to like Mm -hmm. go and know that everybody in there has been vaccinated that might be more of a appeal once we get to that point
2: lou and i have our cards in our wallet i've got my card that i've been vaccinated so does lou
1: but did you get yours laminated arch because cv no, no, not cvs office max and some others i think even staples if you go in with your vaccine card they will give you a free laminate for it so there you go oh my that's, goodness that's worth that's worth the trip out on the road arch
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'll i'll do that <laughs> for you so, so jen what else are you recommend? what else is new
0: so the other thing i was going to mention is also hbo max mm-hmm. uh it's a new series called made for love that starts this week, and it stars Kristen Milioti. Uh, it's sort of a sci-fi thing where she um, she's married to this very wealthy sort of tech visionary, and he is developing a product called Made for Love where you and your partner put a chip in your heads and it sinks your
1: brains. Google Tech's newest endeavor is a chip implanted into couples' brains to merge their thoughts. Hazel and I are users one. Our minds will be one. Kristen Milioti
0: is not so hot on being the, the test case for this situation. Oh. So when she finds out that her husband wants to put a chip in her head, she tries to run away from, um, they've been living sort of within the hub, which is the kind of corporate headquarters where um, he works. And so it's really about her trying to get away from him, and it took a while for me to kind of get into it. I watched the first four episodes out of the eight. Um, and by the fourth episode, I was a little more invested. But it does feel a little familiar, a little derivative of some other TV shows that they've recently done that are in a similar vein. But Krista Miliati is good. Um, Ray Romano plays her dad. And um, they have a nice chemistry together. So... Worth checking out.
2: Ooh, cool, cool. Uh, you know, I'm looking. Have you seen any of Hemingway coming to PBS? The Ken Burns.
0: <clears throat> Not yet, no.
2: I'm kind of looking forward to that. In fact, I'm. I find that one of my go-to's these days is PBS. They do. They're doing some really interesting stuff on uh, American Experience and American Masters. Mm-hmm. I saw a great uh, episode about Terence McNally that had uh, dropped uh, recently. Uh, so uh it sounds like. I like I'm going back to the future. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Did you notice the Writers Guild Awards? Do you, you glean anything out of that?
0: Not really, not really. The SAGs are coming up this weekend. That's something we should mention. Yeah. The is on Sunday and they're doing this perhaps the way that other award shows should have done this, which is they're pre-taping it. Um, nothing in person. All they're doing is announcing the awards. Gonna be over in an hour.
3: Wow, wow. Yeah, but see, the other award shows don't do that, because they're trying to sell advertising time, so right. the Academy Awards are going to be very interesting, um, <laughs> to, to say the least. They they anticipate that they want folks in person, so we'll see.
0: Yeah. They said at least, un- un- unless they change their mind, that no one can accept on Zoom, um, which means that you know someone like Emerald Fennell, who lives in England, uh-huh. and may have a hard time like getting on a plane to even get there if she wanted right. to, if she wins. For a promising young woman, she can't accept her award in person. So there's been some backlash to that idea. We'll see if they change their minds.
3: What do you think of all the talk about Carrie Moe? I, I, I mean, I
0: thought she was great in that movie.
3: I, I did too. The talk is, I think the talk is warranted. I think that in a in a field that's probably one of the most competitive in years, she may actually. I've been saying privately, I think she's going to win. I think she's going to. I think she's going to sneak through and win. I agree I with her. too. I do. I do. I mean, I love Audrey Day, and I think Frances McDormand uh, would be history, would be the sixth person that won a third Academy Award. And I think it's highly political. Um, and plus, if she doesn't get it this year, she definitely will be nominated when Macbeth comes out <laughs> later this year for next year. So it's not mm-hmm. as if this is the last of Frances McDormand we will get. So, but yeah. Think, I think uh, Mulligan has a really strong case to make this year, along with the other ladies. But I think that with the voting uh, being split, I think she could slide through. I'm starting to get with Jen, though. We've still
2: got like three and a half weeks until Oscar night. And it's like, God, please.
3: <laughs> let. let it the appeal. longest award season ever. Please let's not do this again. 14 <laughs> months. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's catch our breath for
2: just a moment and pitch this over to lou for a break and lou um what what are you what is going on in the cat's household anything we need to know about
1: well we just started uh, watching schnitzel the uh, israeli uh, drama which has now come back on for uh, an additional season on netflix and that's really all we've been watching i'm looking
2: for <laughs> your uh, response to the tina turner documentary
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully that uh, over the weekend. In the meantime, everybody loves freebies, right? Of course. Hound Radio has a freebie for you. Check this out.
2: If you love the idea of winning free Starbucks coffee and other cool goodies then enroll in hound radio drool school it's tuition free and we have a sumo cum laude graduate every week we'll even send out an official drool school diploma suitable for framing or filling up your recycle bin enrolling is easy go to houndradio.com it's from the internet's only ivy league station hound
3: radio
0: At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System.
2: Uh, there's uh, many, many people to discuss uh, over the past week who have left us and deserve our attentions, and uh, I almost don't know where to begin, but shall we begin with uh, the actor George Segal? Any thoughts uh, on uh,
3: his uh, passing? George Segal. Wow. Um, immediately, the first thing that came to mind, and I mean, I knew know he made a a slew of of really interesting films in the 1970s Mm -hmm. but he is to me most known as the guy who co-starred opposite Denzel Washington in Denzel's debut film Carbon Copy and I'm sure he did a (laughs) bunch of other films (laughs) before that but that's the first thing I thought I was like oh man Denzel's co-star died damn (laughs) but but George Segal had an amazing career I mean I'm being funny when I say that he did some interesting films he did some really strong films in the 70s yeah. um wonderful He's from my
2: era growing oh, yeah. up because i'm so elderly now and i remember uh i took a date to see who's afraid of virginia Woolf.
1: Oh, good choice. uh,
2: The date and I uh, 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 very much disagreed. She said it was the most horrible movie she'd ever seen. And of course, I loved it. And uh, George Segal, that was kind of his uh, introduction to the world. Kept your body? It's still pretty good. I work out. Do you? Yeah. Yes. He has a very firm body. Have you? Oh, I think that's very nice. Well, you never know, you know. Once you have it, you never know when it's going to come in handy. <laughs> the string of films he made in the 70s were really that kind of grown-up, uh, interesting film. Uh, there was one that he made, Bloom and Love, about a guy desperately trying to win his wife back, hmm. and uh, his film, A Touch of Class, played in a theater in Dallas for over a year. Uh, at a time when uh, when films did that and then you know he went on to have a a long and fruitful uh career in sitcom television but i will always remember him as uh the really cool grown-up guy in the really cool grown-up movies jim
0: i don't i don't have anything on george siegel
2: (laughs) (laughs) before your time i thought maybe you liked his tv work though
0: yeah we can just go to the next you said you said it (laughs) well
3: He's that was been good replaced,
2: he's been replaced by ray romano <laughs> as the dad uh, and any thoughts on jessica walters oh my god who starred in uh clint eastwood's riveting uh play misty for me and then went on to uh, many other things you're not
0: jumping me buster blue eyes get
2: off my back evelyn
0: get off your back that's where you've been keeping me was very upset when I found out that she passed away. She did many, many, many roles over her career, but she will forever be Lucille Bluth, the matriarch on Arrested Development, one of the great TV characters, honestly, of all time. Um, Not that you judge performances based on how many memes they generate, but you can't go a day on Twitter without somebody posting a GIF or an image of Lucille Bluth rolling her eyes or, you know any of the many wonderful moments she had in that show, which is a murderer's row of great comic actors. And somehow, like, she's the one who has kind of become the favorite character out of all of them. So I was really sad to, to hear that she passed away. It was sudden. I mean, she was what, like 80 or 81? But they yeah. I never saw like a particular cause of death. It just said she died in her sleep. And I I had no idea that she was ill. I mean, she'd still been working quite a bit. So
3: well, you know, I you know, you loved her on the rest of the development. I watched Archer and Valerie right. Archer, mm-hmm. man. My God. So it was funny because uh immediately the the all of the cast members of Archer all came on and gave their tributes to her. I mean, just for Walter. Just an amazing I mean whether physical actor voice actor um, I loved her work and I mean you know I, when you say that they never listen to cause of death I, you know at some point people just expire I mean it's just you know we reach the end uh, be, careful.
2: Kevin, be careful be careful you. <laughs> I'm talking about
3: when we talked about Cicely Tyson early this year you know she was out promoting books and went to bed and you know I mean, it's 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 not. It doesn't make us feel good, but it's a part of life. And at some point, we just hope we've done enough good work that people can sit around like we're doing now and go, "Man, that Tim Gordon, that Jen Cheney, that Arch Campbell, boy, they were fantastic people."
2: Uh, Jen, any thoughts? <laughs> I'm wondering if you have thoughts on Beverly Cleary, the uh, author who uh, I won't even call her a children's author, but the author who kind of captured. Uh, childhood
0: yeah that was another one that hit me kind of hard even though she had lived a a very long life she was 104 um, which is remarkable but the impact that her her books had on on children is just did any of those
2: make it it to the movies
0: yeah they made some movies um based on Ramona the Ramona books which were the ones that I, I mean, I read almost all of her books, but the Ramona ones, I think, really stuck with people. And what was striking to me after it was announced that she had died is that it seemed like practically everyone in my Twitter timeline was posting about a moment from one of the Ramona books, and every single yes. moment that they were posting was different, and every single one of them was so vivid. It was as if these things had happened to us because we remembered uh-huh. them so clearly. You know, Ramona's thinking that the Star-Spangled Banner, they, they sing about the Don early lee light, um, that there's an actual Don early lee light, she just especially to as a young girl to read about a girl who wasn't proper um, who acted up who said whatever she felt like saying it was very um, she just Beverly Cleary just really understood children deeply and and you felt that when you read her books
2: well it was just work that I enjoyed I could do it at home and I didn't have to catch a bus. Were the films like television films?
0: No, they were. There was, I, if I remember correctly, there were um, feature films. Uh-huh. Um, at least one of the Ramona books was a feature film. Wow. Um, but did not have nearly the impact that the books did.
2: And uh, let's mention Larry McMurtry, the great uh, writer, uh, awesome. and I, of so many things, including the Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Lonesome Dove, and co-author of Brokeback Mountain. Wow. What a surprise. Wow. In my early days, when I saw the Last Picture show, I was so moved by it. And I was living in Dallas that I drove to Archer City just so that I could walk up and down those streets shown <laughs> in the Last Picture show. And I wish I had gone back because uh, McMurtry, uh, you may know, loved books. And I uh, had a bookstore in Washington for a while. And it seems to me like I would uh, lurk around there, hoping I could meet him. I think it was down in Georgetown somewhere, but he moved all of his books to Archer City, Texas in those empty stores shown in the last picture show. And I wish I had gone back there uh, just on the off chance of seeing him. Any thoughts on Larry McMurtry? I think you said it all, Arch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I- I'm sorry to say I never really read his books, but I saw many of the movies that his books mm. inspired. And that's just, you know, a- an incredible body of work.
2: Uh, Robert Duvall says, Lonesome Dove is the best thing he ever did, thing he uh, uh, is most proud of. And wow. uh, that's something from Robert Duvall, yeah. so that was uh, that was kind of sad. So on those notes, Jen, shall you throw uh, this week's curveball at us on flashbacks sure. and favorites?
0: And, and you're gonna love it because it's about music.
2: Good. <laughs>
0: uh, this question came up on on Twitter last night. What concert that you didn't see do you most regret? Like one that you could have actually gone to and you didn't.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Mm, that's a good one. I, wow. I, I went to every concert. I, I, all the ones that I wanted to go to, they're ones that I wish I could have gone to, but I don't know of any I missed well, you over can do the way. year.
0: We can do ones you wish you could have gone to.
3: Yeah, man, there, there's so many that I wish I could have gone to. Like I, I'm, I, I've never seen Charday in concert. Um, I was too young to have seen Bob Marley in concert. I never saw Michael Jackson in concert, despite the fact mm-hmm. that I saw Prince in concert six times. I was never a huge mm-hmm. Michael Jackson fan, so I never had the. I'm trying to think. Mm, I don't. That's a good question. Mm, Arch, I, I, let me think about it some more. Arch. Well, after seeing
2: the team. Turner documentary of course I wish I had seen her in concert Mm -hmm. Uh, and the the concert footage in that documentary uh, makes me wish I had gone because I would would never dream of standing in a crowd like that now (laughs) but I I think it would have been great to see uh, uh, Tina Turner in concert and I I have an addendum to that this may be uh, this may come out wrong but I would have liked to have seen uh, the Ike and Tina Turner review way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as bad as Ike Turner was, the review they did was uh, pretty exhilarating.
3: I think music, all our taste are a little different. Tina Turner, despite the fact that she's an amazing entertainer for, for me, just didn't have enough songs that would make me sit there. Let's say, Jenna, what is an average concert? About 90 minutes, two hours?
0: Two hours, yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't sit through two hours of Tina Turner. Because <laughs> she, she, she would sing about 20 minutes of songs that I liked, and then the rest of those songs, I'd be like, Psh. <laughs> you, you don't have enough material. I need to, when I'm going to see somebody in concert, I have to like a lot of your music in order for me to sit there or invest myself in, in watching you.
2: So so what what is your, what's the concerts you missed? you wish you had gone to I mean, well, Michael I'm Michael Jackson?
3: I'm think, uh, yeah, I, well, Michael Jackson, I would have liked to have seen Michael Jackson just to have seen the show. I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Jackson. Um, so that would have been one, um, like I said, I was too young for Bob Marley he died when I was still in high school but I would have loved to gone to that show um, but everybody else for the most part other than Charde I think I've seen most of the people that I really wanted to see in concert Lou you must have gone to a zillion concerts uh,
2: in your radio years
1: Well I'll tell you one I never made the Rolling Stones Back to wanted to go see a Stones concert, but never was able to do it. So I well, really regret that.
2: I had to cover them for Channel 4, and didn't particularly want to go. <laughs> Why? And I went to 4 or 5. It's like, oh God, I gotta go out there, I gotta do something, I gotta try to come up with a story, and then I gotta get back by 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, wasn't then I had to go out to the, uh, to the football stadium, um. uh, which was really a slog, and a terrible place for a concert i did i went to one at uh, rfk for a story
1: that was pretty good all right jen how about you your turn
0: well i have a very specific case which is uh i regret that i didn't see nirvana on my college campus in walking distance when they played five months before Kurt Cobain died. I thought to myself, I was trying to remember, why didn't I go? And I thought, oh, I think Seinfeld was on that night, which is A, dumb. But B, (sighs) actually, that's not true. It was a Sunday. So I don't know what my problem was or why I didn't go. But I regret not doing that. Mm.
2: Oh, wow. And this was what, William & Mary?
0: Yes, they played (laughs) William & Mary Hall. (laughs)
2: think of uh, Nirvana and William and Mary
0: together. (laughs) Why not? I just,
2: you know, I don't. I just, I don't. Louie? I don't know what that
0: means,
2: but okay. So Screen Actors Guild this week, that should be an interesting uh, tip-off for the Oscars. Uh, Lou, will you wrap us up?
1: Well, I found some interesting footage, thank God for the internet, of George Segal performing on a banjo on the old The Late, Late, Late Show with Tom Snyder. Remember, anybody would remember that yeah. on NBC? Yeah. And I had no idea that George was uh, so good on a banjo, so we're going to wrap up this week's episode with that. Enjoy it, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to catch uh, up again next week right here.
2: Oh, we were strolling out one evening by the silver moon You could hear somebody singing I'm familiar tune you stopped a while to listen, Not a word you wanted to miss, and it was just somebody
3: serenading, and it sounded something like this, so won't you come along, handy, there's a minister handy, and the show me be dandy,
1: if you lend him take the fee of a dollar or two, now won't you
3: This is the Cats Podcasting System.